This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Well, take your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of 2 Peter. It dawned on me real quick that we're coming down the home stretch here in this great book and a lot of truths we have seen in 1st and 2nd Peter. Uh, and chapter 2 uh, was a huge study for us. We were there for quite a long time, and it definitely speaks about the times uh, that we live right now and Peter's rebuke and admonishments to us concerning uh, where we are in uh, human history right now. Uh, and so he, Peter, changes altogether uh, to pointing our hearts towards looking for the return of the Lord and to keep our focus and minds, our lives, our walk, our talk, everything focused for him. All right, so let's begin now as we take our final lap in Second Peter chapter 3. The word says this, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And Peter, he's saying now, I've got some very important things that I want to talk to you about. He is saying, I hope that I can awake you if, if you're in a slumbering mood or mode of life. He is saying, listen, it's time to get our focus. And Peter is saying, it's my responsibility. I have taken it very seriously, and I want to stir you up. I want to encourage you, uh, your pure minds by way of remem remembrance. And Peter's now going to discuss in this chapter the glorious subject of the Lord's return. And again, I'm reminded of many uh, sermons we have preached through the years on Bible prophecy and how they all point to the Lord's uh, soon return. Peter wants to stay steady in this passage of reminding every single believer of the truths that they have already been taught. You know, one of the things that I, I pray for in, in the ministry is this, that, for example, you may not know how long it takes or the work that it takes, the research and the study, and the and the applying the truth to my own personal life that one single message takes to put together and and to develop it because it's not just it's not just a thought it's not just a scripture you you spend time with the lord and you you saturate yourself in it and you have to in my situation i have to be so convinced that the sermon is right and that this has got God's blessing on him. That when I stand in the pulpit to preach the sermon, and, and I look back on because some of these sermons, it, it, I plan months and ahead of time, and when, especially when I do a series teaching. But one of the things that I pray for the most when I stand to teach these truths, these principles in the Word, is that after the, after the sermon is over with, and I release myself of the work and the time and the study and the research and all of it, and it's over in the blink of an eye. All of that's over within 30 or 40 minutes. 
And I go home and I, I try to unwind a little bit, but there's probably weeks behind me putting that sermon together. And one of the things that I, I desperately long for is to know that these spiritual truths that we give you, they are applicable, they're practical, and that you have been able to retain some of it. I know that I speak fast, and I know that the sermon sometimes it's over with before we know it, but one of the blessed things that I desire is that what we learn in God's Word, that we don't forget it. And, and that's what I pray for the church, that when we come together to worship, and we love the singing, we love the fellowship, we love all the programs, we, all the stuff, it's good. But when it's time to open the book, the Word of God, it's important for me to know that when we leave our gathering time, that you feel like you have heard from heaven. That's important. It's important to me. And so what Peter's talking about here, he is saying that we need to stay steady with the spiritual things, the truths that we have learned, that we have already been taught. Now, it's my prayer because... What, the majority of the time, you know, you can preach John 3.16 many different ways. God has shown me different spiritual truths along the way. It, you, you can take a passage of Scripture, Romans 3.23, John 3.16. You can take Scriptures like that, and you might say to yourself, well, I've heard that before. I've heard that a dozen times. But the truth of the matter is this. We need to position ourselves when we come before the Lord and say, Holy Spirit, show me something today that I've never seen before. Speak to me in such a way that I get a truth, that I get a a blessing that's, that you feed me in a way that I've not been fed. That's my desire, my passion for you. And so what Peter's admonishing us here from the very beginning, he is saying, listen, we need to open our hearts, open our minds, and we need to stay steady. There's a couple of things he's going to focus on. And one of the major themes in this chapter is, in fact, the Lord's return. But he wants us to stay steady. And he's reminding all of us as believers uh, not to forget the spiritual truths that we have already learned along life's way. He's going to share some incredible things in chapter 3, but he's saying don't forget what you've already learned. Now look at verse number 2 here. He says, that ye may be mindful of the words. Okay, he's teaching us in verse 1 to keep our minds open. Don't forget what you've learned so that you can be mindful, that you may be mindful of the words which are spoken before. He's talking about the Old Testament here, by the prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles, of the Lord and Savior. So he is referring to both Old and New Testaments in these opening passages of Scripture. And he's saying, listen, things that you have learned from the prophets of old and the things that you have been taught by us, the apostles, is saying, don't forget them. And that's what he's trying to emphasize. He wants us to really pay attention, wake up, and stay focused on, on the subject of the Lord's return. And then immediately, he begins to plunge himself uh, and into the end-time theme and to uh, the, the end of times, the rapture, uh, the revelation. And so this is what he says in verse 3, knowing this first, 
He is saying, first and foremost, and if he were teaching a class, he would say, first and foremost, class, I want you to pay attention because as we get into these scriptures, he would say this, there are doubters, there are scoffers that are going to come into your life and try to run interference with you, cloud your thinking, and to distract you from the Lord's return. He said, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. And I've thought about this. When Peter wrote this second epistle, he was referencing the last days then. So you think about it. A little over 2,000 years ago, these scriptures were penned, and he was pointing out to early Christians then that the Lord's return was near. Now, here we are 2,000 years later, and we still pray the prayer. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We're still looking for his, his return. We're looking for his, his first coming, part of his second coming with the rapture, and then the second advent of his second coming being the revelation. We'll talk about that in this chapter as well. But he warns us that doubters are going to come. Now, look at verse number four. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? Okay, Peter is saying, listen now, all of you new Christians, new believers, we need to keep our minds open. We need to stay focused because there are going to come people into our lives that are going to run interference, trying to distract us, trying to change the subject, the theme, the thought about the Lord's return. Peter said, you need to be aware of that. And let me add this. I don't know how many times in my life that people have questioned me on this subject. When they hear of my preaching on Bible prophecy, there's a lot of questions that come my way. And one of them is, how can you know for sure that the Lord is going to return? After all these years and after all the pages of Scripture and after all the preachings and the words of the prophets and the words of the apostles, and he still hasn't come, he deals with that very issue in this chapter. I don't know. Maybe you have been questioned about that in your spiritual journey before. Where is he? Well, believe me, he's right on time. He knows what he's doing. He's got it in control, and we're going to see that unfold in this chapter here. And so one of the things that separates, and this is important. Let me teach you a spiritual truth here tonight. One of the things that's very important for us to, to understand and develop in our Christian experience is this, that the thing that separates believers from the world is not a church house. The thing that separates us from the world is not even a cross on the steeple. Here's the truth. The thing that separates us from the world is faith. The scripture says the just shall live by faith. There are a lot of people out there that are religious that are looking for signs and looking for wonders. And I do believe that God can still work today just like he did in the days of old. I believe that. I, I believe that, in fact, I still believe in divine healing. 
I believe that if God wills, he can put his healing hand on a hurting, aching body of whatever problem may exist. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit of God can come over a person in such a way that God can transform that and he can change those circumstances. I believe it. I believe that there's power in prayer for healing. I believe that there's power uh, with the anointing of the oil. I believe in all of those things. But here is, here is an incredible truth that if we're just going to look on signs and wonders and miracles, if we, if we limit, if, if sort of like this, people say, if I, I'll believe it if I see it. But that's not what faith is. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Do you remember what Jesus told Thomas? He said, you've seen me, and you're privileged, and you're blessed. He said, but Thomas, think about the people that are coming behind you. You have seen me. You have touched me. And you believe. But think about the people that are coming behind you that will never see me with their physical eyes on this earth that have not seen me and yet believe. That's where all of us are tonight. None of us have seen Jesus with our personal eyes, our physical eyes. Now, we, we have opened up our hearts and we have seen him with our spiritual eyes. And we walk and we talk with him every day. We know that he's real. We can feel his spirit within us. We can identify with the truths of the word. We can testify of his realness. We can rest in his promises. And so if you are a believer, nobody has to convince you that the word of God is true. We believe it how? Why? We believe it by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Three times in the word, the scripture says the just shall live by faith. And so that's the thing that separates us from the world. It's faith. And so as Christians, here's the, here's the truth. As Christians, we have to, if we're going to live by faith, if we say that we're going to live and walk by faith, then this is what we are surrendering to, that we have decided as a believer to simply take God at his word. What he has said we take it to be the absolute truth, the undisputable truth. There is a scripture I did not give the fellows back there in the media tonight, but I, I do want to, I don't know how quick it would take them to get this particular scripture on the screen in Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2, but it's probably one of the most uh, inspiring verses in the Bible about taking God at his word. And it says this, in hope of eternal life, which God, not man, which God, and look at this, that cannot lie. He cannot lie. Promise before the world began. So if we're going to take God as word, we have to believe the word. The word says he cannot lie. So as believers, we take him at his word. Now, in John chapter 1, verse number 1, the, the word says this, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, this is faith. 
believing this. In the beginning. When was the beginning? Well, we have to remember this, that God is the beginning. And God has always been. Somebody asked me one time, where did God come from? God did not appear. God has always been. You can't say, well, God started here and then God developed here because God, how can we wrap our human finite minds around that truth? We just, we, we can't explain it. But by faith, we believe it in the beginning. He is the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the ending, the first and the last. And so in the, this is by faith now. We have to believe this. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God, and the word was God. So remember this. God is the author of our faith. Satan, the devil, is the author of our doubt. Don't forget that truth. God is the author and the finisher of our faith, and the devil is the author of our doubt. If you ever get to a place where you're doubting God, about anything, remember what happened in the Garden of Eden when it all first started to unfold as far as humanity goes. Do you remember when the devil came to Eve in the garden and he engaged in the conversation with her about the tree, the forbidden tree where they could not take the fruit? All the other trees in the garden. You think about this. For one moment, think with me tonight. Think about how big and pure and holy the Garden of Eden was. So God, he sets a tree, one tree, in the midst of the Garden of Eden. And he says this, you can have everything here but you cannot have any fruit from this tree. This tree. Has it ever amazed you when you think about that story in Genesis that out of all the other trees that was given to them for their enjoyment and their pleasure and their satisfaction, their fulfillment, their nourishment, out of all the trees there, they focused on the one they could not have. Think about that. But in this process, as it starts to unfold, the devil, he weaves his way in and has this conversation with Eve. And this is the question. Hath God said? So immediately he plans to deceive her, but he plants the seeds of doubt in her heart. Always remember this, that doubt is not of the Holy Spirit, as well as fear. Fear is not of God. Now, you could say, well, there are certain types of fear, Pastor, that uh, is just by human nature, and it is. The Bible teaches us that God is to be reverenced. He's to be feared. He's to be holy in our lives and our perception of God. Absolutely. But here's the thing. God, when, when, when the Word talks about fear in God, it's not talking about being afraid of Him because He's some big bully in the sky. 
That word fear in reference to God is talking about a reverence. So Satan, you have to remember this. He will come to you with seeds of doubts. God is the author of our faith. The devil is the author of our doubt. So that's what verse number four is talking about. He is saying this, that there are going to be people coming into your life. Peter's warning his class. He is saying that there are going to be people coming into your life. You're excited about your life in Christ. You're excited about your faith. You're excited about your church. You're excited about just the joy of knowing Jesus. And Peter is saying, be prepared because there's doubters and scoffers that are going to come, and they're going to come with their doubts. They're going to come with their uh, diversions and their uh, interference. And he is saying, they're going to say to you, where is this coming? You've been preaching this. You've been talking about it. Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Peter's saying, you have to be aware of the fact that you're going to be confronted with this spiritual conflict that people are going to say, where is he? The Bible must be man-made. It must be a bunch of lies because people have been preaching that he's coming and coming. Where is he? And so Peter is, is preparing our hearts for this. Now look at verse number five. The scripture says, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Now, many unbelievers, and you know some of them, they they willingly do not search the scriptures. But the truth of the matter is, I wonder how many professing believers who say that if they were to die today, they'd go to heaven immediately. But I wonder how, how many of us who claim to be Christians really and truly spend time in the Word. I'm not talking about just riding on a sermon. I'm not talking about just listening to a sermon on the Internet. I'm not talking about reading a daily devotion. All that's good. I encourage you to do it. Do it as often as you can. It's one thing. It's one thing to listen to all of these media outlets and and get as much stuff in your hands as possible. But I'll tell you this. This book can never, it must never be a supplement in your life. This book has to be the book, not one of many. It has to be the book. And I, I would encourage you all, you know, you might say, well, preacher, I just, I, I don't spend time reading it because I don't understand it. If you take time to read the book of Daniel, Daniel wrote this in his prophetic writings. He said, I write and I understand not. Think about this. How in the world could John the Revelator on Patmos, and we'll be talking about this when we study the Revelation, how in the world could he possibly understand the end time events that he wrote about that we're seeing in our life and times unfold right now? How could he possibly understand that? When the Holy Spirit gave him those divine words in that revelation, isn't it amazing that John didn't stop the Holy Spirit and say, ho, 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 Mr. Holy Spirit, this is way over my head. I I can't get this. I can't understand this. What these people going to think talking about all this stuff? That's not what he did. 
The Word of God teaches us that he surrendered, he submitted to the Holy Spirit, and he wrote just as fast as the Spirit of God gave him the words. That's exactly what Daniel did. And so make the Bible a part of your life. Take time to open and read it. Second Timothy teaches us to study to show ourselves approved. And I know there are things that you need a pastor to share with you, to teach you. There are words, whether it be in Hebrew or the Greek, that you need navigating uh, that you need help getting through. I understand all of that. That's part of my calling. That's what I do. But I hope that you take the time and you cherish the book and you spend time reading it. One thing for sure, I know that many unbelievers willingly do not search the Scriptures. They, they, in fact, they avoid it. Peter here, he gives two major truths of origins. Look at this carefully here in verse number 5. He says this, by the word of God, heavens were of old. I want you to quickly get these scriptures on the screen. I got two minutes left, guys. Psalms 33, I want you to look at this, and verses number eight and nine. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Again, remember we talked about that word fear, and that does not mean that we, we need to hide ourselves from him. And that's not what that... The, the word says, let us come boldly into the throne of grace. We have an open invitation. We can come to the Lord. You may, you may not know this, and I did not know this. After all of these, 42 years right here in this building, I didn't know it in all of my study when I was in other places. I didn't know it in these 42 years here. I didn't know it until last week. We go to a place called the Wailing Wall. You've heard about the Wailing Wall, the Western Wall. And at the Wailing Wall in the Holy Land, there is a section for all the men. There is a section for all the women. The men have to put these little caps on. They go to the wall. They open the Torah. And they begin to rock and wail and pray. And they put these little notes, prayer requests, they fold them up in these little pieces of paper and they put them in the crevices of the rock. And they put their hands on the wailing wall and they begin to wail and pray. And I asked our guide, this, I don't know why I've never asked it before. Because he says to me, he says, this is, this is a very important day for the Jews. They come to the wailing wall on Mondays and Thursdays. Get this. They come to the Wailing Wall on Mondays and Thursdays. And I said, do they come any other days of the week? Not really. Mondays and Thursdays. And I said, why? And he said this, because they believe that this is when God opens the windows of heaven. And this is when they can talk to him. And I said, on Mondays and Thursdays? He said, yes. And I asked this question. Do they believe that that is in the Word? That they are following scriptural principles and precepts? Or is this just tradition? And I will never forget what he said. He said, they come to the Wailing Wall on Mondays and Thursdays and pray because they believe that these are the two days that God opens the windows of heaven 
by tradition. Not by scripture, but by tradition. And we can tradition ourselves into all kinds of beliefs. And if we don't study the Word of God, take time to search the Scriptures and study the Word, we can find ourselves in a heap of trouble. And we can become so far off base and unscriptural and unbiblical that we may not be able to see the light in the way out. Now, God spoke and the earth was made. And Peter refers back to the flood and how the earth literally consists of water as well. He said, I've got to close. I'm over. But let me read this verse number five one more time. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God. Now, who is they? Let me go back and refresh you real quickly here. He's talking about unbelievers, scoffers, doubters, people that will come in the last days. And keep in mind, again, he's in reference to the last days back in his day. He said, but these people are going to come. They're going to plant doubts in your heart and your mind. He said, they willingly are ignorant. He is insinuating, he is declaring that these people do not take time to search the Scriptures. By human reasoning is what he is saying. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water. Well, this is a place I need to stop tonight as we get ready to close the service. I don't have time to develop this next point. But anyway, we're coming down the final stretch, verse by verse. This is called expository teaching. And I pray that it's a blessing to you as much as it is to me when I prepare the word for you. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.